Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Harriet Tubman was born in March 1822, the daughter of a Christian slave family in Maryland, USA. At the age of 27, after years of suffering the brutality of her slave owners, she managed to escape to Philadelphia. Not content to simply be free herself, she went back first to rescue her own family and then again and again to help others find freedom, often on her own, traveling at night against insurmountable odds. In 2019, they made a film about her life and it's just called Harriet and it's phenomenal. I can't encourage you enough to watch it. Now, in response to her efforts and the efforts of others, the US Congress passed a law called the Fugitive Slave Act, which heavily punished those who helped slaves escape and forced local authorities to assist in their arrest, even in the northern states where slavery had been outlawed. This meant that slaves that had escaped from the South were only were only truly safe if they made it as far north as Canada, a journey of nearly 600 miles by foot. Now, many of the people involved in freeing slaves considered the risk far too high and they decided to stop. I wonder, what would you have done? You might be thinking, why am I telling you this story? Well, we at Ivy are in our year of series called the Year of Rebuilding. And in 2022, we're discovering what it is that God wants to rebuild in you that is broken and what God wants to use us to rebuild in the world that is broken. So I wonder, what is it for you? What is it that God has put on your heart as we've started this series? What has God been speaking to you about? What is it that makes you think someone should do something about that? Maybe as we have started this series, you've decided to do something. Maybe you've started researching and praying about an area. Maybe you've said, somehow, I am going to do something about this. Maybe you just need a reminder to go back on the things that you've been thinking about and take your next step, whatever that is. Maybe it's to help vulnerable or unwanted children. Maybe it's to help the homeless, the poor or the lonely. Maybe it's reaching out to your neighbours, your friends and family to tell them about Jesus and to start a group or a microchurch in your home or somewhere else. What is it that God has put on your heart to do? The reason that I told you this story about Harriet is that if you're anything like me, when you first set out to do something to make a difference, you can be full of enthusiasm and passion and excitement. But then halfway through, when it turns out to be actually a lot harder than we initially thought, or people turn out to be unhappy about what you're doing, it's so easy to feel just like giving up, packing it all in. I wonder, Have you ever had a moment like that where you felt completely overwhelmed and discouraged? Have you ever felt tempted to give up? Maybe you are feeling defeated or discouraged right now. Maybe that's how you are. If you are, I have good news for you today. That is totally normal, but it doesn't have to be the end. God wants to talk to us today from a time in Israel's history following the story of a man called Nehemiah. And we're going to discover the kind of opposition and discouragement we might face as followers of Jesus and how we can persevere to succeed in what God is asking us to do. Now, Nehemiah was a Jewish man who'd become a high ranking official in Persia. When he heard about the state of Jerusalem, his home, he was absolutely devastated. The walls were broken down, the people were vulnerable. 
And he prayed and got miraculous permission from the, and the necessary resources from the Persian king to go back and to repair the city. Last week, Louise shared with us how Nehemiah mobilized ordinary people to work together. If you missed it, I can't encourage you enough to catch up online. So today, we're gonna to see that they have made incredible progress, but like lots of things that we might get started, it seems easy at first, but now the trouble begins. So let's take a look in Nehemiah chapter four, verse one. When Sanballat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore the wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Now, Sanballat was the leader of Samaria in the north, enemies of the Jewish people. They were very happy with the status quo. It suited their interest to have Jerusalem in a mess and the people vulnerable and oppressed. In fact, when Nehemiah first came, it says that Sanballat and the others were very concerned that someone had come to promote the welfare of the Israelites. But now that the work to rebuild is underway, they are furious and they start mocking their efforts. They mock their ability, for they said, what are these feeble Jews doing? They mocked their ambition. Will they restore the wall? They mocked their optimism. Will they offer sacrifices? It probably means sacrifices of thanksgiving when the work is done. They mocked their enthusiasm. Can they finish in a day? They mocked their confidence. Can they bring these stones back to life? And they magnified their problems from these heaps of rubble burned as they are. Now I wonder, have you ever experienced something like that? Ever had people say to you, you can't do that. It can't be done. It's just the way it will always be. You can't help that person. Who do you think you are? Stop dreaming. Be realistic. You've got no experience. You'll probably cause more harm than good. Think of your family. Don't be irresponsible. Or maybe they'll say, what can you do? You are fill in the blank. What's that blank for you? You are just a mum or not clever enough or brave enough or you don't have the right qualifications or you are too young or too old, or you are just one person. These voices that pull you down when you're trying to build something up can come from all sorts of places. It might be our friends, parents, or colleagues. It might be our culture more widely, or anyone who benefits from the status quo or is scared of change. Or maybe, if we're honest, these voices come from the inside. They're messages that we've internalized throughout our life so that now nobody even has to say it you say it to yourself when the going gets tough. For me, the internal voice always just says, you can't do it. Someone else could, but you can't. I wonder, what is it for you? Now, despite the mocking, they actually managed to get the wall rebuilt to half the height. They became uh, even more angry at their efforts. Mocking becomes threats of violence. It says in verse eight, they plotted together to come and fight Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Now for us today, it might not be physical violence, but it could be other kinds of threats. Friends at school threatening to drop us if we don't go along with them. Parents threatening to cut, cut us off financially or emotionally if we don't make the choices that they expect us to make. Maybe it's being overlooked for a promotion or an opportunity at work, or being canceled for saying, posting, or doing something that the rest of our culture doesn't like. 
Intimidation can come in many forms. Even just the fear of these things happening might be enough to stop us doing what God is asking us to do. Now, all of these factors, plus the fact that they were tired from the work, meant that even though the people had already made incredible progress, they became discouraged, they were afraid, and they just wanted to give up. Now, I wonder for you, maybe you're in this place right now. Maybe you started out with a lot of enthusiasm and energy, but things have happened that have put you off from stepping out in faith, doing what God has put on your heart to do. Maybe you've had pushback from people. Maybe you feel like you've just lost heart and so now somehow it's over for you. I've been there. Well, if that's where you are today, I have good news. That's normal. These moments will come for all of us, but it doesn't have to be the end. You see, from this place of discouragement and despair, these ordinary people persevered with God's help and they rebuilt the wall in an incredibly short time. In this chapter, there are three things that will help us to keep going in the face of opposition and discouragement and, and help us to succeed together in doing what God has called us to do. And it's this, watch, pray and fight. So firstly, watch. Nehemiah responded by posting a guard to watch day and night for the signs of enemy activity. So if they tried anything, they would see it coming. The call to watch is critical. It's the first step. Paul writes in the New Testament that we are not unaware of the devil's schemes. In other words, you gotta see it coming. Just as we believe in a personal God, we also have a personal devil. And he'll try anything to distract and discourage us from doing what God has asked us to do because he is very content with the status quo. He's happy for people, to, young and old, to be taken advantage of by others. He's happy for people to be trapped in lives of hopelessness and despair. He's happy for people to think that there is no God. And if, and if there is, he certainly doesn't care about them. He's happy for people to face life and eternity without Jesus. And he's happy for us to think that we can't do anything about it. Now, the issue for God's people in this story is that at this critical moment when they were feeling tired, they listened to the lies of the enemy and it became their reality. You see, in verse 12, it says, the Jews that live near the enemies came and told us 10 times over, wherever you turn, they will attack us 10 times over. I don't know about you, but in my experience, when I spend a lot of time focusing on voices of negativity, internal or external, it becomes my reality and I become negative. Then internally and externally, I find myself repeating the same negative things over and over and I lose faith, I lose hope and I start wanting to give up or just play it safe. Nehemiah sees what's happening. He gathers them together and he says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome. He doesn't dismiss the fear. He knows what it is to be afraid, but he says that there is another option. Remember the Lord. Friends, in the moment of opposition and discouragement, it's so easy to forget who God is and what he has done and what he has promised to do. If you're in that place now, remember the Lord. You see, our enemy says, you're a reject and a failure. God says, I've chosen you and appointed you to bear fruit. Our enemy says, you're on your own. God says, I am always with you. The enemy says, you can't do it. God says, is anything too hard for me? Now, 
When Freddy was very small, I used to walk around the kitchen at night in the dark singing a song to him to help him get to sleep. It goes like this. If you know it, you can join in. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. We are weak, but he is strong. I did this so many times that I had to make up some new verses. Here's one for you. Jesus loves me, this I doubt, for the Bible I read now. If I picked it up some more of his love, I would be sure. You see, <laughs> the antidote to the lies of the devil is the truth of God's word. If you don't have a habit of reading God's word daily, I can't encourage you enough to start. Or if you started out this year thinking, I'll start a Bible reading plan and read every day, but you stopped, guess what? That's fine, start again today. Watch what happens. When you are focused on the truth, you'll spot the lies for what they are and you will find that your courage will return. So the first thing is watch. The second thing is pray. When Nehemiah is threatened, he doesn't respond or retaliate or run away, he prays. Then when things get worse and worse and the threats become violent, he gathers the people together and they all pray. Honest, immediate, heartfelt prayers. Charles Spurgeon, a famous 19th century English preacher said this, prayer is the slender nerve that moves the muscle of omnipotence. At this moment in their story, their courage and strength had run out. But Nehemiah knew that when they prayed, they would get access to the source of all comfort and unstoppable power. Prayer might not like, seem like much. Our world tells us that prayer is wishful thinking. Don't believe a word of it. Prayer is how we get access to the infinite resources of heaven that we need to get done what God is asking us to do. The word prayer in the Bible literally means an exchange. Through prayer, we exchange our anxiety for his peace, our confusion for his clarity, our weakness for his strength, our fear for his courage. So I wonder if you are in that place of discouragement, what do you need to exchange with your heavenly father? What do you need to give to him? What do you need him to give to you? As we're on this journey together at Ivy Church of becoming a multiplying movement, empowering and releasing all of God's people, it's so important that we make time regularly to pray and seek God together. It's a big change and there will be lots of challenges. At its heart, every Christian movement throughout history is a prayer movement. So we're planning some evenings throughout the year to get together to worship and pray. And our next one is gonna be on the February 10th. So I encourage you, get it in your diary. So watch, pray, and finally fight. After they had prayed, Nehemiah gathers them together and he says, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and daughters, your wives and your homes. You see, this really isn't about walls at all. It's about the future security and safety of their families and the whole of the people of God. In these moments of discouragement and opposition, we must always come back to the why. I told you earlier about Harriet Tubman. In the film about her life, there is this incredible scene when she's gathered with the others discussing what to do about the Fugitive Slave Act. Faced with the challenge of getting slaves all the way to Canada, many of them wanted to give up. This is what Harriet said to them. I'm not giving up 
rescuing slaves because it's far. Many of you don't know slavery firsthand. You were born free, or maybe you've been free so long, you've forgotten what it's like. You got comfortable and important. You got beautiful homes and beautiful wives. But I remember children beaten for not working when they were too young to understand what work is. Brothers whipped until their backs were in ribbons. Sisters sold away from their babies, trying not to think about what they went through. What those still enslaved are going through right now. I have heard their groans and sighs. I have seen their tears and I would give every drop of blood in my veins to free them. What's amazing is that it's estimated that Harriet directly freed 300 people and played a direct role in freeing millions of others. An ordinary person who believed in an extraordinary God and refused to give up however hard it got. Now, here at Ivy Church, we're all about helping people find their way back to God. Right now, as I said, we're going through a season of change to become a multiplying movement, to reach out to more and more people. Because right now, today, in our country, there are millions and millions of people living and dying without Jesus every day. And that's not okay. Together, God is calling us to be a part of seeing lives change in a significant way in our families, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our nation, and in our lifetime. Our enemy is happy with the status quo in the world. He's happy for us just to do church and go through the motions. He doesn't want us pushing out, trying new things or equipping every person to make an impact for God's kingdom, mobilizing ordinary people like you and me and the power of God to do extraordinary things together. But we are going to because God has more for us. He has more for the people that we love, our friends, families and neighbors. God has more for the people around us whose lives are broken down, who don't know yet that he gave us life for them so that he could rebuild them. This is our why. And this great work is something that we get to be a part of and it's worth fighting for with everything we have. We mustn't forget what life was like before Jesus or the joy and immense relief that we discovered when he set us free. It may take longer than we want it to. It might be harder than we expect. We might feel like giving up. But if we keep going together with God's help, whatever comes, you can do it and we can do it. I've been praying for one of my best friends for nearly seven years. The first time I told him about how I encountered Jesus, he said, did you see a doctor? I said, why do you say that? He said, you probably had a psychotic episode. A few years ago, when I was praying for him, I had a picture of him kneeling down in his lounge to receive Jesus. So guess what? I'm not giving up, even though everything in me says it's never going to happen. So as I finish, I wonder what difference could we make together? if we watch spotting the lies of the enemy for what they are, holding on to the truth of God's presence and his promise. If we pray, accessing God's unlimited power and resources that we need to succeed in the great work that God has called us to individually and as a whole church. And if we fight side by side, working together, playing our part, helping people find their way back to God, wherever we are. How do we do this? The book of Hebrews in the New Testament tells us. It says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. We can do this by looking to him. So I want to pray for us in a moment. And I want to pray for anyone who's in that place of weariness and discouragement. 
The words in this passage, rebuild the war, is actually used elsewhere in scripture to, as a metaphor for healing the wound. So I wonder, you might be watching this and feeling wounded that your walls are broken down by weariness or attacks that have come against you or disappointments. And I sense that God wants to do a healing work in rebuilding of you and his kingdom in you so that through you, he can do a work of his kingdom in the world. So let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you call us and invite us into your great work of building your kingdom here on the earth. And that you invite every single one of us to be a part of that, whoever we are. And Lord, we recognize that sometimes things will happen that will discourage us or make us feel afraid. Maybe things have already happened in our lives. And so for those, Lord, that are listening to this, who feel that the walls on the inside have been broken down, I just ask that you would come by your Holy Spirit and bring a renewing of strength and of healing and of courage and of peace. So just invite the Holy Spirit to come. And Lord, I pray that together we would be absolutely tenacious in pursuing all that you've called us to do, to love the people that you've called us to love, to reach out to those that you've put in our lives, that we together at Ivy Church and those of us connecting from other places too would see the advancing and building of your kingdom and the rebuilding of lives in our nation, in our generation and in our time. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org media.